So um, the good news is that uh, the sermon that I prepared for this morning is slightly shorter, I think, than what it normally is, which is just as well because um, the Holy Spirit interrupted us this morning, and that's okay. Um, we're an interruptible people. Um, we want to leave space for what the Holy Spirit is doing amongst us. We don't want to um, be led by our own plans and strategies, but we want the Holy Spirit to come and have his way amongst us. And actually, that's where holiness starts, and that's where I'm going to kind of come to later. Our will is submitted to his will. So as you can see on the screen, uh, we're kicking off our new sermon series this morning called Set Apart. And um, We're beginning that this week, and um, we'll do another one next week, and then we're going to kind of take a break for a while um, to do a Christmas series. This is kind of a bad time to start a new series, but that's okay. We'll kind of do this for a few weeks, do a Christmas series, and then pick, pick this back up again in January. We're also hoping to get a couple of guest speakers in as well for the first few months of 2020, so um, we'll keep you posted on that. The other thing as well is that on the 8th and 15th of December, um, we're going to have to go back upstairs to room S35 as the college are going to be using this space. Um, they have a pantomime um, that's going to be on, so we're getting kicked out. That's okay, and we'll bless them to do what it is they're doing, and uh, we'll We'll take, take over S35 upstairs again. Um, but as I said, this new series set apart. Um, we're going to be doing this for, for a while on and off. Um, and basically, as followers of Jesus, we've been invited to play our part in the story of God. We've been set apart to carry his life-giving presence everywhere we go. And as Rebecca talked about earlier, what happens here is not supposed to stay in here. God is sending us out. We are a sent people. He is sending us into our workplaces, into our schools, into the hospitals, wherever it is that we have been sent to. We have been sent to carry life-giving presence of God that we will be atmosphere changes. So we're going to take some time to talk about what it means to be a set-apart or a consecrated people. And back at the Legacy Conference, uh, you'll remember we talked about that before. It was a really powerful time gathered in, in God's presence with uh, some of our friends and family from, from elsewhere within the Vineyard Movement in, in Ireland. And uh, on the Friday afternoon, someone came and gave Rebecca and I a prophetic word. Uh, and basically, they, they were talking about our church pursuing holiness and becoming a consecrated people. Um, and so we feel like this is a season that we are in of pressing in for more, of dealing with things that are in our lives and pursuing the presence of God with a greater urgency and a greater hunger than ever before. And uh, I just want to actually say as well, uh, in this moment, God is doing something incredible in our, in our life groups. Um, they're, they're really powerful places of encounter. So I just want to recognize and mark this moment because God is on the move. He is doing things. We have had moments in the past when they felt a little bit dry, um, but that's not what's happening at the moment. God is speaking and setting people free. People are being healed and God is calling people to take the next step into the wonderful future that he has prepared for them. So um, I, I, on Wednesday night, we had our life group in, in Endeavour's house and I stood mostly on the edge of the room as some others led the ministry time. And it was really, really powerful. So it was just to see God moving in the room. So if you're not part of a life group, I'd really encourage you just to dive in there. The ground zero of our church where community 
And friendships are formed, and uh, they're often the place that we experience the presence of God the most. And so if you've just kind of joined uh, in with what we're doing here in, in Bangor Vineyard over the last couple of months, then we'd love to point you in the right direction. Myself, David, Louise, um, Ian Deborah will tell you where to come as well. There's, if you're part of a life group, you, you, it's your job to invite everybody else into, into your life group. So uh, feel free to, to do that. Um, but we love you to... to uh, get stuck into life groups. Anyway, I'm going to pray for us before we get stuck in. So Father, I thank you for gracing us with your presence here. We love your presence. We love your presence. We thank you that what can take years in the natural, you can do in a moment. And you're here with your healing presence this morning. So I ask that you come and meet with each one of us. You come and season my words as I speak this morning. And give us hearts that are receptive. Open to what you're doing. In Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your um, Bibles with you, then you can turn to uh, Joshua chapter 3. Uh, this is the people of Israel who have been on a journey. And about 40 years earlier, they had been miraculously delivered from slavery at the hands of some pretty brutal Egyptian rulers who had treated them pretty badly and kept them in slavery. But God was with them and he rescued them and he brought them miraculously across the Red Sea. And this was the beginning of a journey into a better future. Together as a nation, they were stepping forward into the promises of God and into a land that he had promised them, a land where they would prosper and things would go well for them. And, and the place that God was leading them to was a fertile land that was really good for agriculture. It was really good for growing food. It was described as a land that was flowing in milk and honey and uh, a perfect climate actually to live in. Um, in their best months, better than yesterday's weather, to be fair, uh, in their best months, they would average around 25 degrees C. And in their coldest months, they were probably still sitting in around 10 degrees C. So it's not a bad climate, right? Um, you probably don't need to have the central heating on too many months if you live in Israel. Um, but God had prepared a good future for them. But of course, we know that they messed up a fair bit, didn't they? And they took their eyes off God. They found, they found it pretty hard to trust him, so they decided to do things their own way. And as a result, a journey which should have taken just a few years took over 40 years. And some of them, unfortunately, never even made it to the other side. So we're picking up almost at the end of the journey, and the people of Israel need a miracle. They need a move of God, because between them and the land that God was calling them to, to take possession of was the Jordan River. Now, ordinarily, it was probably tricky enough to cross the Jordan at the best of times. Um, the average width is about 100 feet. The average depth kind of ranges from 3 feet to 10 feet. Um, so maybe if they picked the right spot, they could have walked across in normal conditions. Um, but actually, the tricky thing about this was that the Jordan was in flood season. So it was actually more like half a mile wide and a lot deeper in its deepest 
deepest parts. So um, they needed a they needed a miracle, um, and uh, to make it even more complex, there was about five or six hundred thousand people who had to cross the river. So that's close to the population of the Greater Bangor metropolitan area. That's what it's called. Everywhere from here to Newton Abbey, it's the Greater Bangor metropolitan area. Yeah. I cracked that one at our friends from uh, Belfast City Vineyard recently. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But everybody from here to Newton Abbey had to cross, and everywhere in between had to get across the river. So I think it's fair to say that they needed a miracle. And Joshua was their leader, and it was his job to come up with a strategy to safely lead all these people to the other side of the Jordan River, half a mile through very, very deep water. And in preparation, he said to them, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And so if we read a little bit further on in the story, we know that God did indeed do a miracle. Almost a carbon copy of what of what he had done 40 years earlier when they crossed the Red Sea. And we can pick up and read about that in verse 15. Now the Jordan is in flood all during harvest, yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. But one of the keys to this miracle seems to be a consecrated people. A people who had set themselves apart for God's purposes. So we're going to camp here at verse 5 for a while and explore what it means to be a consecrated people. And let's start, start by looking at what is consecration. And uh, I, I went to the dictionary. Um, it's the first time I've done that in a while. Um, and according to the dictionary definition, consecration is the action of making or declaring something, typically a church, sacred. To consecrate means to set apart for holy purposes. And uh, Jordan Singh, who um, was speaking at the Legacy Conference that a number of us were at last month. He says, Consecration refers to the way we dedicate ourselves to the things of God through specific sacrificial acts. The more of ourselves we set apart exclusively for God's use, the larger our capacity to flow in God's supernatural power. The power of heaven flows best through places that the kingdom of heaven has already conquered thoroughly. Places in which heaven has gained unimpeded right away. That's why it's important to deal with sin in our lives. It's one of the reasons. Um, and as I've said before a few weeks ago, each one of us has been created as a vessel to be filled with God's glory. A bit like a glass that's been made to hold clean, pure water. And when the inside of that glass is, is kept nice and clean, and then we can pour water into it, which will nourish and refresh and bring life to whoever drinks it. But when the inside of the glass becomes contaminated or a little bit dirty, then it's not actually safe to drink, and it's not pure, and it's not going to nourish and bring life in the same way. And I know that God wants to do amazing things in us and through us, so that's why we're taking time to talk about being a set-apart people, a holy people. We're making ourselves ready to receive 
all that he has for us. We don't want to miss the good future God has prepared for us. And I know that, that holiness can, can sound pretty scary. And that word in itself might conjure up some, some thoughts, certain thoughts might come to mind that might bring back the memory of past church experiences that might remind you of stick, strict rules and, and regulations. But actually, my desire is that we look at this through a fresh lens, that we pursue this together, that as we pursue this together, we actually get hungry for more of God's presence in us. So how about... We pursue holiness from the place of hunger and expectation rather than performance and striving. That sound good? Great. Holiness is our will submitted to God's will. And I've told this story many times before of whenever I was a boy, uh, about nine years old, and um, I was away on a kids weekend, and uh, the Holy Spirit was meeting with many of us powerfully. Uh, and I remember being down worshiping on my knees, uh, and uh, clearly in, in a moment of, of uh, just being ministered to by the Holy Spirit, I was down my knees and I said to, to Jesus, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. I'll do anything for you. And what was actually happening in that moment was that I was setting myself apart for God's plans and purposes. I was saying, I want to live according to your plans for my life instead of just following my own plans. And I've prayed that same prayer several times since as I've realigned my heart back to God again. And he's called me back to that place many times when I've simply said, I'm set apart for your purposes. You get to decide. Not me. And uh, Simon Ponsonby, um, who's a, an Anglican minister over in England, and uh, he, does, he, write, he writes a couple of books as well. He said, holiness is consulting God for his will and living in it. And then he goes on to say, the submitted will neither claims to know the future nor seeks to control the future. Instead, life is lived with an honoring attitude towards God, a prayerful involving of God in all decisions, and a flexibility to respond to the way that the Spirit leads. Holiness happens when we allow ourselves to be led by the Holy Spirit. It's our response to his leading. The call to be holy starts with the call to friendship, and we're going to be talking about friendship with Jesus next week. It's from that place that the glory of our holy friend rubs off on us, and it leaves us with a hunger and a longing to be different. And you see, that's the difference between relationship and religion. Religion is all about rules and regulations, but God desires something much greater. He desires a relationship with us, a deep friendship with us. He calls us to walk with him in intimacy and to talk with him, to be in an open conversation with him. And religion gives us a list of do's and don'ts, but through relationship, God reveals his heart to us. So um, we're talking about holiness. So at somewhere along the line, we're going to talk about sex. Um, so let's start today. Um, let's, let's, let's take this as an example. If you've grown up in church, it's likely you've probably been instructed not to have sex until you're married. Um, that's probably what most of us have heard. And that's actually a great idea. It's a great idea to save sex for marriage. But um, if you've only ever heard that as a rule, then the chances are you're probably not going to stick with it anyway. 
And you're probably going to end up having this view of God being a strict old man who wants to stop you from having a good time. But through relationship with God, through relationship with Jesus, there's a conversation. And the Father reveals his heart. And um, when Rebecca and I had started dating, um, which is like 14 years ago this month, um, Rebecca can never remember any of the dates. Rebecca, do you remember when we got engaged? Ah. <laughs> I know, it's okay. I just have a weird mind for dates. Uh, anyway, Rebecca and I had just started dating. Someone that Rebecca knew had a picture of her, a picture for her of God giving her a present and saying, God's given you something really good, something really special, but he just doesn't want you to open it yet. He wants you to keep it. Um, and he's going to bless you with that later. And through relationship, God explains, hey, I want you to have the best of times, but I love you too much to see you get hurt. So I want you to set yourself apart and to wait until there is a marriage covenant in place, which will give you the safety and security to enjoy this gift, because it's actually a pretty powerful thing. And that's just one example um, of relationship. And that's the place that God wants to lead us into. Not a place of rules and regulations, but a place of conversation, a place of intimacy. A place that we're dependent on him day by day, moment by moment. When we're asking him what he thinks. So sometimes for me, whenever I'm about to watch something on Netflix, uh, I feel like the Holy Spirit kind of interrupted me. Um, and sometimes it's go ahead or sometimes it, it might be this might not be the best thing for you, Ben. And so I'm learning to listen to that voice because the Holy Spirit wants what's best for me. And I'm learning that when I ignore what he's saying, that I usually get hurt in the process. Holiness starts with friendship. It's not about polishing ourselves and appearing to have everything together and wearing our best suit to church and all that carry on. By the way, I put a shirt on this morning and everybody's saying... Ben, you've got a shirt on. I must like look like a Trump most weeks, but uh, the one week, seriously, where was I? Uh, anyway, holiness is an inside job. Holiness is an inside job. It's not about external appearance. It's not about showing ourselves off to others. It's an inside job. And it starts with friendship. And consecration is the submission of our wills to the will of God. It's about bringing our sinful nature under the lordship of Jesus. So what we talk about, what we allow ourselves to watch, what we eat, what we drink, what we do with our bodies, how we spend our money, he wants it all. Not because he wants us to live miserable lives, but because he wants us to live lives that are whole Holiness will lead us into a place of wholeness. Lives that are marked by presence and power. And Romans 3 verse 23 and 24 say, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. It's good news. It's good news even though we don't measure up in his grace and his mercy 
He sent his son to die on the cross. Holiness starts at the cross. It starts by freely receiving his grace and love for us. You see, before the cross, um, God had an old agreement or an old covenant with his people. Um, And under that agreement, what happened was that God's presence dwelt in the center of the temple. And that part of the temple was called the Holy of Holies. And there was this uh, really large veil or curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple that, that, that everybody else had access to. And uh, once a year and only once a year, the high priest went into the Holy of Holies to make a sacrifice for the sins of the people. And one of the things that happened when Jesus died on the cross was that the curtain in the temple, this 60-foot high thick curtain was torn in two from top to bottom at the exact moment that Jesus drew his last breath as he died on the cross. So the cross marks a new covenant that God has now made with his people, that we're no longer separated from his presence in the way that we were before. That each one of us is called to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. And Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, he, he talked about this. He prophesied about this when he said, This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And what Jeremiah was prophesying or speaking about was a time when they would no longer be separated from that part of the temple in which God's presence dwells in. In fact, God was going to come and he was going to dwell within them. My people will become temples of the Holy Spirit. They will host my presence. I will send my Holy Spirit to lead them and guide them and to have a friendship with them. And 50 days after the curtain was torn in two, Jeremiah's prophecy was fulfilled as the Holy Spirit was poured out with power on the day of Pentecost. So we live in a time when we carry the presence of God. Everywhere we go, we're a sent people. It's not just for this moment here on a Sunday morning once a week. From my experience... Actually, the Holy Spirit comes in more power when I pray for somebody outside of this place than in this place. It's a pretty powerful thing because when we show up and when we take a risk, when we take a step into risk, the Holy Spirit loves to honor that. So whether that's a shopping center, whether that's a workplace, or whether that's a hospital, or wherever that might be, when we decide that we're going to step out and try, step out in faith, the Holy Spirit shows up in power. First Peter 1 verse 16 says, Be holy because I am holy. There's a call to holiness, but where do we start? We start at the cross. Where the blood of Jesus was spilt for us, where his body was broken for us, where the curse of sin was defeated and his grace was poured out for us. Holiness starts at the cross. And only the grace of Jesus can cure our sin problem. Only by receiving his forgiveness can we step forward and live lives of significance. The thing about grace is that it's a free gift. We don't have to do anything. 
In fact, there's nothing we can do to earn his grace. And only by receiving his forgiveness can we step forward and live lives of significance. It costs us nothing. So if you've never accepted Jesus into your life as your savior and your friend, then we love to invite you to give your life to Jesus today. It's the best decision you'll ever make. He has a great future marked out for you. And that future is not defined by the mistakes you've made in the past. And even some of you felt the weight of shame when I was talking about sex earlier. And I just want you to know that, that the grace of Jesus is here. It's in the room this morning. There's grace here. Yeah, all of us have sinned and have fallen short of God's glory. But all of us have been freely justified by his grace. It's good news. It's good news. Not one of us can come into the presence of God without the grace of Jesus. It's a cross that did it for us, not our own merit. I had a picture, a dream last night, um, and it was somebody who had kind of done a, made their homework into a real dog's dinner, like it was a real mess, and they, they called their, their parent over, and they were like, There's, I can't give this thing in. There's no way I can, I can hand this in. I'm ruined. I'm done. And I saw the, the father actually um, take the homework and work with the child to turn it into this beautiful piece of art. And for a while, it just looked like a big mess of glitter. And then he kind of took this cloth and he wiped it down and it just looked amazing. It was transformed into a beautiful piece of art. And I feel like that, that's the father, actually. For some of you this morning, you feel like, my life's a mess. My life is a mess. I'm ruined. How can I ever have a future? But the father wants you to know that he can take your brokenness and he can turn it into something beautiful. So don't write yourself off because the Father certainly hasn't written you off. Uh, one final thing. Um, just before Jesus drew his last breath on the cross, he said these three words. He said, it is finished. It is finished. And we can read about it here in John chapter 19, um, verses 28 to 30. Um, and it says, later knowing that everything had now been finished. Sorry, there it is there. Later knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. And a jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked the sponge in it. They put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and they lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. It is finished. It's completely complete. Everything that the Father had asked him to do was now accomplished. It's all done. So when we go back to the original, it actually translates better to it's all done. And this is a phrase that people would have written on a bill after it had been paid. Uh, and it's all done basically meant that it had been paid for in full. The bill had been completely dealt with. Every debt had been paid for in full. It's all done. It's paid for in full. And uh, earlier on this week, before I even started to prepare the sermon, God really began to impress upon me these same words that he cried out as he drew his last breath, as Jesus drew his last breath 
on the cross. It is finished. It is finished. And uh, just give you a little bit of insight into, into my life. One of the things that I'm quite prone to and that Jesus is, is constantly working, working at in my life is just self-criticism. I can be quite hard on myself at times. Sometimes I can dwell way too long on a mistake that I've made. It might be the tiniest little thing. Um, might be something I've said to someone or a decision that I've made. And I'm learning as, as I walk with Jesus, as I do life with Jesus, I'm learning just to give myself a break. Stop being so hard on myself. And for some of you, actually, you're, you, you can resonate with that. That God is saying to you this morning, give yourself a break. It's finished. Um, and, and what I felt like God was saying to me and what I felt like he is saying to all of us this morning is it was finished on the cross. It was finished. It's been paid for in full. And yes, we've made mistakes. And you know what? We're still going to make mistakes. But the mistakes that we've yet to make have already been paid for in full. So we don't need to dwell in shame or partner with self-criticism and self-rejection because his grace is enough for us. There's freedom here. And uh, I feel like some of you have actually partnered um, with that lie that you haven't been forgiven. That when you came to Jesus, there was like, you know that you began a relationship with him, but you kind of felt like, well, there's something people don't know about me. And some of you are just partnering with a lie that you haven't been really forgiven. And that's a lie. And something I feel like the enemy wants to break off you this morning. Or Jesus wants to break off you this morning. So um, I just kind of feel like as, as we kind of close here, um, and there's going to be a song in a moment which I'm going to play, and there's communion at the side of the room. Um, but I really felt like the Father's saying to us this morning, enough, enough. It's finished. Your sin has been dealt with and it's been paid for in full. I want you to shake off the lies and step into the holy of holies. You've been justified and made worthy because of Jesus, so step in fully. Don't hold back anymore. Receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Don't stand on the outside looking in. Come and receive all that he has for you. So as I said, um, we're going to play a song now. Um, the words aren't going to be up on the screen, so you can just kind of stay seated or find space in the room um, or whatever it is that you want to do just to, just to take this moment and meet with Jesus. But there's a phrase in this song, um, enough, enough, it's enough God cried. And it was that phrase, just as I was praying during the week, that I heard that God wants to say to some of you, enough. Stop beating yourself up. It's finished. Stop rejecting yourself. What I did on the cross was final and it was full. Everything that you've ever done, every mistake you've ever made has been paid for in full. And as I said, we've also put communion out at the side of the room. Um, so... Normally we do that the last Sunday of every month. We'll do that again on the last Sunday of November, but we've, we've just put it in as an extra thing this morning um, because we felt like it's something that we needed to do today. So um, as the song plays, um, I just invite you to come forward in your own time and just to receive um, communion and just to meet with Jesus. For some of you, you might just need to take a moment and just 
invite his grace in in a new way, in a deeper way. For some of you, you might want to ask somebody to come and pray for you. Or if you feel like you need to go and pray for someone else, feel free to do that in this moment. So I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to play, play that song. So Father, thank you for the good news of the cross. Lord, don't let us ever forget it. We thank you for the simplicity of the gospel. We thank you for your grace. I ask that you come right now and you'd uh, you'd just deal with sin and shame in our lives. That you'd strip it away. That we'd leave here changed. And we'd leave our chains behind. Come, Lord Jesus, and have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.